One of the great features I love the most about the book of Jeremiah is how God inspired this prophet to use mental images, similes, and metaphor, and so forth, in communicating the word of God to his people. Verse 1, you'll notice, says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, and with the point of a diamond it is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. That's powerful stuff. Written centuries before, by the way, the hardness of diamonds was fully understood. And of course, this is the kind of language that Jeremiah relays from God throughout this entire book. Verse 11, you'll notice it says, As the partridge sitteth in eggs and hatcheth them not, so he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days, and at the end shall be a fool. You'll note the word as, that simile. There's a lot of it here in Jeremiah utilizing like or as in very powerful ways. In the very next chapter, you don't need to turn there, you'll notice that God tells Jeremiah to go. Go to the potter's house, he says, and observe. And he says, cannot I do unto you, house of Israel, as, there it is again, as this potter. For as the clay is in the potter's house, so, as and so, so are ye in mine hand. That's simile. Metaphors, as you know, pair two sort of unlike things, and they sometimes use the verb, the words to be. It's basically a condensed simile. A simile says he eats like a pig. A metaphor says he's a pig at a trough. Either way, the expression conveys a message, and again, it's this kind of language Jeremiah uses throughout his prophecies because God inspires him to do that, which brings us to one of his favorite and oft-used Uh, images, and that includes the image of a tree. In chapter 1, verse 11, God calls the nation an almond tree. You don't need to turn there. The first blossom of spring, he says, in chapter 11, verse 16, he likens Judah to an olive tree. In fact, he calls it a green olive tree, green referring to life, olive referring to its fruit, and tree referring to its strength. And yet God says, I have kindled fire upon your broken branches. Well, That's a very graphic way of telling God's people that the glory and the beauty and the strength of the temple and all that it represented was about to be destroyed. But what about this image of a tree? What is God saying here? Because you know, beloved, if you're too casual, and I think Christians, we get way too casual in reading the word of God. If you are so, you will miss the very precise and powerful message that God is giving to us. For example, Notice the connection God makes between verses 5 and 6 and verses 7 and 8. Start with verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. So that's how those two verses say it. Now look at the, next, the contrast of the next two. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that shall spread spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful, worrisome in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So you'll notice now how God contrasts the shrub and the tree with one line. The shrub in verse 6, he says, shall not see when good cometh, won't be effective positively when good things come, 
And then the tree, in verse 8, shall not see when heat cometh. In other words, won't be effective negatively when the bad comes. Quite the contrast. So again, this very precise, powerful imagery. Trees carry a unique message, and especially so in the book of Jeremiah. But of course, not just Jeremiah. Psalm 1, which I usually sign when people line up with long lines to have me sign their Bibles everywhere I go, which is nowhere. Um, Psalm 1, uh, as you know, and then Isaiah 61, 1 Chronicles 16, Job 14, Matthew chapter 7, our Lord Jesus. The Bible oftentimes uses trees as a means of relaying spiritual truth. And of course, as it is with all spiritual imagery in Scripture, it's very important that you get the facts right. You know, the Bible is always right on its science, if you will, but not always those who read the Bible do so correctly. So not being an arborist, I'm not, of course, I want us to consider tonight just how powerful the prophet's words are. You know, it was Joyce Kilmer, American poet. He was killed in action, a French battlefield in the, in the First World War. He wrote those words, I think that I shall never see a, thing, a poem lovely as a tree. The last stanza he wrote says, poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. And indeed, the trees carry spiritual truth, and the truths they offer for us are gifts. The trees themselves and the messages are gifts from God that should, should be in our hearts and draw our hearts to his will and his word. In 1963, I was about five years of age. It's fun having mom at the house because we get to talk about a lot of memories, and we have, and we do, almost every week. We were living, my dad was stationed in Wichita Falls, Texas, Shepard Air Force Base. And at that age, I don't remember a whole lot about what went on there and at the time. I was there a couple years, I think, and we, from there, went to Virginia and then overseas. But I remember a couple things. I remember a tornado coming through, very, very close. I remember uh, burning the neighbor's house almost down. Can't forget that one. I remember tumbleweeds. They were interesting, and I remember how small the trees were. In fact, the reason why that's such a memory for me was what happened when we moved from Wichita Falls back to Norfolk, Virginia. When we traveled, Dad never stayed at hotels. That was a waste of money. So he would just drive and drive, and we would sleep in a rest area, and then he would drive and drive again late into the night, all night long, until he couldn't drive anymore. So me and my brothers are in the back of this Rambler station wagon, and we would camp out there, and, um, you know, no seatbelt in those days and in some other days, but no seatbelt in those days. And, and no worries, by the way, about you know, the back window would go down. We're in the very back. No worries about the fumes. We love the smell of exhaust in the morning. We stuck our head out. Explains a lot up here, does it not? So we were on this 1,500-mile drive, and you know, must late in the night, must break up the boredom. And we did break up the boredom. We discovered Dad's toolbox in the back back there. And we found out that when at one in the morning, midnight, when you throw one of his sockets out the back window, it sparked <laughs> on the road as it bounced. And um, so we made a lot of sparks. Very awesome through the night. Dad's wrenches worked the best. We found that out. Anyway, one thing I will never forget was waking up. We went to some rest stop. We left Wichita Falls. We, wake, we woke up in some North Carolina, the hills of North Carolina, a rest stop. And, and when I woke up, I looked out the windows and I saw these trees, and I was overwhelmed. They were so big, they were so beautiful, they were glorious. Wichita Falls, and especially Shepherd Air Force Base, never saw trees like that. 
tall, green, strong, beautiful. I remember waking the guys up and saying, guys, look, look at these amazing trees we walked around. And that's also when dad noticed his toolbox was almost empty. That's when I found out that the branches of trees make really good switches, amen? <laughs> I think that I shall never see a thing as painful as a tree. <laughs> Which brings us again to this text here in Jeremiah, because in, in all of those scriptures that we noted a moment ago, it's interesting, God always, he always likens his people to trees, never as shrubs, never as little bushes or tumbleweeds. But somehow, somehow, too many Christians and churches and marriages and families seem to settle for that. Back in the 1980s, when I was a youth pastor in Knoxville, part of my job was changing the messages on our big sign on Magnolia Avenue. Big, huge billboard right there. And, and it's kind of a billboard type thing, but you take one letter off at a time and put the signs up. And one of the longest, toughest signs I ever put up, which I really liked, said this. It said, wake up, sing up, preach up, pray up, pay up, stay up, never give up, never let up, never back up or shut up till Jesus comes and takes us up. He wanted that sign up in the heat of August, and I almost threw up by the time I got it done. <laughs> but I really loved the sentiment of it. I mean, a young preacher boy, I think, yeah, that's good stuff. I feel like I hope this is not just some old man up here reminiscing about the good old days. But I really feel as if that sign were to be put up today, Christians would be like, that sounds hard. That's too strong. I don't, I don't want to. Why can't we just give up? Why do we have to preach up, stand up, stand up? Why do we have to do that? I don't know, maybe because Jesus didn't give up. Three things about trees in our text I want you to notice. Number one, this is what he's teaching us. Number one is that trees take hold. Look at verse 8. For he, who's the he? Verse 7, it's the antecedent. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree, planted, planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river. What Jeremiah is doing here, you know, by mentioning this strong root system, is contrasting this to what he already said Back in verse 5. This is the contrast, and this is why it's important. Go back to verse 5, would you? Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth the man. That's the opposite of verse 7. Man who trusts in man, and maketh flesh his arm, or his strength, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath, your margin will say the shrub, the bush in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. That heath, that's a shrub. Do you know what happens to a shrub, a little bush out in the desert? Well, the first strong wind that comes along and hits it, it begins to uproot it. A desert shrub, you understand, has very shallow roots. So, eventually, it just blows away. And it becomes what we saw in Wichita Falls a lot, a tumbleweed. Just a ball of sticks going whichever the wind blows it this way or that way. Not a tree. Not a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that spreadeth out its roots by the river. The tree is not the chaff driven by the wind. It is not the reed, as Jesus said about John the Baptist, that is shaken with the wind 
or the shrub that's uprooted with the wind. This tree, the tree is strong, you see. It is steadied, it is secured by its roots. And I just want to say this tonight, beloved, and I want those of you who are watching by live stream who pop in once in a while, if you're going to make it, truly make it spiritually during the storms of life and the trials of life, if you're going to withstand the heaviest winds of false doctrine and deceit that's so prevalent in these last days, then you're going to have to have deep and strong roots. Roots that are buried deep into the Word of God, buried deep into the local church that Jesus loved and gave himself for. Roots that are deep with conviction and with faith. Psalm 1, that text I mentioned earlier, you'll notice on the screen. Obviously, it would be impossible almost, I think, to talk about trees in Scripture without Psalm 1, verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. I wonder tonight, which are you? Or which are you becoming? You know, last week at the memorial service, I suppose I've done hundreds of memorials and, and funerals in the last four decades. And last week I noticed a familiar sight as I sat right there and looked around, and it was a really good crowd considering the age um, of, of uh, Brother Cameron. I looked around, and I noticed in that service that there were some people that were trees. I saw them. You could hear them. You can watch them. And they were grounded. And they were rooted. They were stable. They were secure. Even in the face of death itself, the strongest wind of all, there are trees of God, there are trees of righteousness, as Isaiah calls them. They had taken hold. And you could literally see it, and I do it every time, you can literally see it in their own faces. They had roots. But always, there are others. There are always those in every memorial service I've ever done of any size or funeral, there are those who are not trees at all. They are reeds shaken in the wind, so that when they heard the scriptures that were being read by Brother Andy and others, it didn't resonate at all with them. When they heard the songs that were being sung Brother Kevin was leading, the lyrics didn't resonate. It wasn't music, it was noise to them. Anything that I said, any talk throughout any of it of heaven or glory or grace or resurrection, it was just strange in their eyes. And so it is always in times of trial that you can tell the bushes, the shrubs from the trees. You know, when 9-11 hit, there were people in this country, there were people in our church that were trees. And they were a testimony during that time. But there were a whole lot of people that were shrubs. When that tornado hit, or that hurricane came, and that region of America, or when COVID came. I can guarantee you as a pastor, one of the discussions we had with fellow churches and fellow pastors was the shock that so many of us had over Christians that bailed out, not over persecution, not because they were threatened with their life or jail over the gospel. They bailed because basically an inconvenience. You can see it in the interviews on TV. Some folks are trees of righteousness. Others with no roots at all really are like the chaff the wind drives away.
The shrubs Jeremiah mentions here were basically surrounding him in the nation of Judah. They were everywhere. They were the shallow people who were about to wither in the face of a coming national trial. They were people who in times of prosperity said things like, you know, I serve a God of love. And a God of love would never judge our nation. I can worship God on the beach just as easy as I can in church. They said things like, you know, why doesn't God answer all my prayers? The Bible says if you take one step, he'll take two. And guess what? The Bible doesn't say that. Neither does the Bible say you have to love yourself first or you've got to believe in yourself and all that. That's not theology. That's shrubology. Trees take hold. They take hold. They have roots. They go down deep. Brings us to the second thing about trees. We said, number one, trees take hold. The second thing you'll notice, number two, is that trees take in. Go back to verse 7 of our text again, would you? Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree, here it is now, planted by the waters, not just planted, planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out our roots by the river. This is exactly what the psalmist said. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll notice again that Jeremiah refers to the tree's close proximity to water because obviously, folks, water is key. Those deep roots provide stability, but they're designed to take in and absorb water. And yes, you'll notice that Jeremiah and the psalmist and Isaiah, you'll notice they're they're not talking about a tree of chance. This is not a tree of accident. It says this is a tree planted. The psalmist says a tree planted. Isaiah's text says trees of righteousness, quote, the planting of the Lord. In other words, look, God's not talking here about some accidental tree or a wild tree or a found tree. It is a planted tree. In Matthew 15, Jesus said, every tree which my father hath not planted shall be rooted up. But this tree. This tree is God's property, and God does not leave his trees spiritually by a desert along the side of an arid mountain or up in the rocks, but rather by, what's it say? Plural, by waters. Waters. And it is the waters of his truth. He shall be a tree planted by the rivers. Again, it's plural in Psalm, the rivers of waters. So that in other words, there's this continual source of fresh, life-giving water. Well, beloved, you know this. Here's the water. Trees of righteousness have a source, a true source of water. Oh, pastor, I know what you mean. Spiritual literature, I love to read the Vedas and Voltaire and Jesus Calling and the Fourth Dimension. It's it's so inspirational. Today's text, the the, the wonderful quote of today, pastor, was, quote, um, out beyond right, what I heard the other day, out beyond right and wrong, there is a field, and I will meet you there. Okay? That blessed somebody, but I don't know what it means. I don't want a team of champions. I want a champion team. Oh, that was sweet. That'll change your life. There's no I in team, but there's I in champion. I don't even know what that's, that quote means. That is not the water. All of that stuff. There's so much of it now. 
And people gobble it up and they spend a lot of money for it. There's so much of this shallow, empty platitude. Some of it's directly against the Bible. It's not water for great trees. It's chicken soup for the shrub soul. Look at verse 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Beloved, if you trust in man, the arm of man, if you trust in man and man's words, you will be disappointed. I remember years and years ago, we were on vacation and I came out of our hotel room up in East Tennessee, and I noticed that one of my tires was flat, almost completely flat. So I very carefully drove, and I took it to a place in East, East Tennessee, and the guy said that he would fix it. I can fix that without replacing it. I said, sure. He said, yeah. I said, great. Save me some money. When he was finished, I reminded him that we had about a 13-hour drive ahead of us, and I said, are you sure? He said, I said, will it do the trick? And he said three words, without a doubt. That's what he said. Without a doubt. Well... I got to tell you, I was, I was felt pretty good about that. So the next morning, started to pack up the car, flat as a pancake. And the first three words that popped into my mind were, without a doubt. And here, years and years later, I have to tell you what happens all the time. Every time I hear some man's philosophy or, or some man predicting or promising something by his word and his wisdom, I see this flat tire, and I hear the words, without a doubt, without a doubt. Hey, Mr. President, we should just trust our entire life to the government? Without a doubt. Nope. This right here is the only thing that you can trust without a doubt. I mean, without any doubt. Trees of righteousness, they take hold, they take in. And then number three, they give out. Look at verse 8 again. Let's read it. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh. But her leaf shall be green. That's a shady tree. And shall not be careful or full of care, full of worry in the year of drought, neither shall cease from what? Yielding fruit. Now, wait a minute. Psalm 1 says that we're like a tree planted by the river's water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. That fruit, beloved, glorifies God. In other words, look, we're not here in this world. Our little short, tiny, as I mentioned this morning, sliver of time passing through, we're not here just to take up a prime piece of real estate by the river. We're not here just to soak up the sun, certainly not to roll around, like a tumbleweed, whichever way the wind of the world decides. But we are here, planted here, to bear fruit for God's glory. Amen. And specifically, the fruit of righteousness. Look, folks, trees are about the most beneficial thing in all the world. Next to water itself, they provide food, shade, shelter, beauty, oxygen, fuel to warm us. Timber for our dwellings, medicine for our ills, material for our clothing. Mature trees absorb heat from our surroundings. It humidifies the air with 100 gallons of water, one tree every single day. A mature tree provides enough oxygen for 10 people 
every year, one tree. It removes carbon dioxide and other gases from the air. In other words, look, they are blessings and they are beneficial. And that is exactly what God has called you to be. Not just to take up a piece of real estate. Jesus cursed a fig tree once because that's all it was doing. It wasn't bearing fruit. And he cursed it as an illustration saying that curse it because don't take up this prime piece of property without bearing fruit. Our lives, the fruit of our lives, is supposed to testify to this desert world that Jesus is alive. Some years ago, I read a biography of George Washington Carver. Born into slavery, he became a professor. He changed pretty much the entire practice of crop rotation. He practically invented the American peanut. He had 105 recipes of what you could do with the American peanut. He once wrote a memorial to a woman who had opened her heart and her home to him when he was a homeless orphan, Mrs. Mariah Watkins. She was a godly believer. She saw to it that, that he got into school, that he was protected, that he was provided for, and that he was prayed for. She taught him how to pray, how to study. She gave him his first Bible, which he cherished until his dying day. And so he loved her dearly. Here's what he wrote about her. I remember her as a great shady oak tree, strong and cool and full of comfort. Yeah. And we need more people like that. We need more people who make a difference in the lives of others around them. Trees of Christ who are planted by rivers of water. You know, I've read that if you want a tall Norway maple, that you actually don't have to wait 40 years for one to grow. You can buy one 30 feet tall for $57,000. That's value. Most folks are just content to be something faster and easier. Oh, Pastor, that's too much time and effort. I'll just be a zucchini for Jesus. <laughs> Shrubs for Jesus. Now, we got plenty of those. They're everywhere. The woods are full of them. They're blowing around all over this county, all over this state, all over this country. Wherever the wind takes them, they just blow around. No fruit. No shade, no blessing to anyone else. I've been preaching long enough to know this. I know that I'm probably preaching tonight to a handful of people. I know that there's a handful of folks in here who really want to be trees, who don't want to be shrubs. That's just the nature of it. And I've learned to be okay with that. Because I've also learned that it only takes one Mrs. Watkins to make a difference in one person's life who makes a difference in generations. So if there's a handful in here who say, you know what, you young people here, I'm not going to be a shrub. I'm not just going to, I'm going to dig my roots down where they belong. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to take in the word of God with the people of God, doing the work of God. And I'm going to be a tree by God's grace, for God's glory.
And God's people said? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads, shall we, with heads bowed, eyes closed. People say, what is it? You, Pastor, what's the answer for our country? You know what this country needs? More trees. Less shrubs. Every church needs more trees. Strong, godly, fruitful, roots down deep, trees for the glory of God. Pastor, I'm here tonight, and I'm saved by the grace of God. I've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. But as a Christian, I needed the message, and God has reminded me of something. Who would say that with heads bowed? Would you raise your hands through the building? God sees your hand in your heart. Maybe you're here tonight, and you'd say, Pastor Blair, like, I'm not sure that I am a Christian. I don't know that. But I need to know it, and I want to know it. If you're not sure that you're saved, could we just pray for you? Would you raise your hand? Hold it up there high enough. Where you're at home, if you're watching at home, not sure, Raise your hand right where you are, even if you're by yourself or with someone. All right, God bless you. We're going to pray, as always, have a time of invitation. This is the altar. If the Holy Spirit would have you use it, I encourage you to do so. You can pray in your pew as well, but whatever God has spoken to your heart about, obey it, won't you? Father, we thank you tonight for your word, and we just thank you that, that in your word, you look at your people as mighty trees, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And in a land that's desert, thank you, Lord, that we can can put our roots down. You've given all of us here and where they are, uh, the local church, the word of God, fellow believers, the light of the world. I pray God will be faithful to you so that we can be that strong, mighty tree that gives glory and fruit for your honor. Blessed decisions that would be made tonight to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.